0: you know, um, before I move into my sermon and I entitle it, Promises. Because I thought, hey, you know, I want to remind all of us what does it mean to be hopeful in the promises of God? What does it mean to anchor ourselves in the promises of God? You know, just about two to three months ago, or maybe before I I, I tell my story, I, I really want to find out how many of us here, you are excited, looking for or anticipating a Christmas meal with your family either today or tomorrow or sometime next week? You are. You're anticipating a Christmas meal? You're excited for it? Hallelujah. Somebody in the crowd, shout out to me. One or two things that you want to eat in that meal. One or two things. Roast beef? Hallelujah, it's good. Anything else? Ham, turkey? Very good. You're going to a restaurant? Please remember to invite me, all right? Here's my number. Now. <laughs> Have a blessed. Christmas uh, meal with your family. But I was reminded that two to three months ago, um, so in SIBKL in the Christian faith, uh, what we have is we have something called a fast and a pray. So what we'll do is we will fast and pray in order to seek the heart of God, in order to talk to God about a little bit more, to have a a closer relationship with God a little bit more. So in that season of fast, we will fast and we will omit certain types of food um, in order to replace it with a prayer time. So, me this year, I omitted several classes of food, including carbonated water, carbonated drinks, like Coke and and 100+. And I'm still on that fast, all right? The Lord be with me. Um, But one of the things that I decided to fast is one of my favourite food, cha kwe tiao. It's one of my favourite food because, um, just so you know, in another sermon I'll explain that I'm a very particular eater, all right? Now I have I have to I have to make sure that I'm I, I'm I, I'm accurate here. I'm not a fussy eater. There is a huge difference between a fussy eater and a very particular eater. All right. In another time I'll explain. But today I just have a Christmas confession. I am a very particular eater. So one of my favorite food is is tail. But I don't eat every single chakra tail that comes. All right. I'm not that kind. There are people that are foodies, love food, love chakra tail, any sort of chakra tail. It's doable, but for me, it has to be very specific. There is a specific store. Actually, thank you, Uncle Kim so It's not a yes, yes. We will exchange notes later on. All right. There is a very specific store, a stall, and a very specific uncle that can only cook a very specific type of tail that I would really love to eat. You see, the tail that I love has to be in individual pieces. It has to be not clumpy and not sticky together, right? So for me, uh, the first yardstick for a good chocolate is when you put your chopstick into the noodles and if you lift it and everything comes with your chopstick, it's a chocolate that I will say, thank you very much. I appreciate it. You know, there's a a saying in our, our Asian culture, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say, all right? So for me, when I see that plate, I say, if you have nothing nice to eat, don't eat. So, so for me, I don't eat, but I know my wife will eat it all up, you know. She's not as uh, particular as me, alright? So for me, how do I know that the char kuei person is going to cook a really good char tail? This is my first yardstick of measure, alright? I would first go towards the, the, the hawker, alright? And then you must smell the grease. You must smell the oil that they, they, they fry, all right? I know, I know for the health people that, that it's not good for you, it's not good for health, but hey, once in two months, just let me eat the chakretel with the grease. You must smell it. Then when you come into one meter radius of the person cooking, you need to feel the heat alright, the wok needs to be hot. The fire that heats the wok needs to be bigger than the wok itself. You need to see blue and yellow flame. It needs to be so big that when you approach for, to order, you can feel the, the heat of the fire that hits you first before you order. And that's when you know it's going to be good, alright. So when you order a cold wok, not so good. It has to be really, really hot. Then the chocolate must come and, it, and, and the flavour, it cannot be on one side, alright? It has to be, all, it has to coat all the noodles and each bite has to be as flavorful as the next and as the last bite. Every bite has to be flavorful. You know, I really love prawns. I'm sure you do too. But I'm very particular about my prawns. The chocolate prawns cannot be overcooked, then it's too hard. It cannot be undercooked, then it's too raw. It has to be just nice that is succulent, that when you put it in your mouth, it just melts. That you taste the goodness of what God gave us on this, on this good of the prawns. Then there is something that, called the lap chong. It's not any lap cheong that I will eat. So if you just cut it and serve it, I will go, thank you very much, but I may not eat it. The lap chong that I like has to be fried in the furnace until it is coated with a caramel outside. When you put it in your mouth, you can taste the burnt, you can taste the caramel, you can also taste the sausage, you can taste the salty, you can taste whatever it puts. Mmm, it's good. My type of chocolate, you must fry it not with one egg, but you must fry it with two eggs. It has to come with two eggs and the eggs, yes, hallelujah! And the eggs cannot stick to the chocolate. Alright? It has to be loose you have to be able to pull the egg apart and eat the egg if you want, or pull the noodles without the egg, or both. Whatever you want. Now, to me, that is a great plate of chakra kway <sighs> Let us all adjourn for a great chakra kway tiao. I was like, no. <laughs> so, you the know, fast and pray as I fasted one of, one of, one of my favourite food, and I only eat it in one place, one store that I go and only eat this chakra kway tiao. I remember after 40 days, on the 41st day, I told my wife, it is time. <laughs> God has called me for a time such as this. So we, we drove there, we dropped the kids off, and it has to be really early in the morning. So I, you, don't, you don't want the long queue. It has to be really early in the morning. We dropped the kids off and we were prepared. All our hearts were prepared. We, we have prayed over this. You know, we have prepared our minds and our bodies and our tummy for this. And as we approached, we parked our car, we walked in the store, and it's closed. And the uncle was not there. It was closed. And until this day, I wish Kim would have recorded me or took a picture of me because you should have seen the look of my face, the anticipation for it, the hunger for it, and it was closed. And I, was, I wasn't sure how to feel. Should I be angry? Should I be confused? Should I be disappointed? Should I insist on the owner of the hawker to give me the uncle's phone number to call him up? and forced him to come and cook me a plate of chocolate. Now, I wasn't sure what to do. And for five minutes, I was in utter silence. I was stunned and I remember Kim, my beautiful wife, the lover of my soul, with no sympathy, no empathy. There were no words of comfort. There were no words of, it's okay, baby. we can come back tomorrow. There's no words. She just laughed at me. It was laughter that came up. And I remember looking at her and she was like, she she just said to me, you should see the look on your face. And you cannot explain that look on your face. It was just utter horror of shock on my face. And after five minutes of just standing there, she goes, Should we just there's plenty of more things to eat around here. Should we just get a table and sit? I said, it's okay. <laughs> Nothing will ever compare anymore to that plate of chakra tea that I've been longing for for 40 days. And I, by the way, the next day, we prepared ourselves again to come back because who knows it might be closed for that day. We came back the next day and it was closed. But of course it was closed. Of course it was closed. Came back a week later and we found out that the uncle closed for one week because he went on holiday and it has to be that week that I really wanted that plate of uh, chakra tea. I had it last month and it was fantastic. It fantastic. There's a slice of heaven here on earth. But this story reminds me of how, you know, sometimes we as human beings, there is a longing within our hearts. There is a hunger within our hearts. There's an expectation that we all carry, don't you think? Don't we all carry a longing and an expectation? It may not be for a plate of chocolate It may be for your family. There's a longing maybe for your business. There's a longing maybe for your health. There's a longing maybe for your your loved ones to be saved. There is a longing for so many things in this world. There's a longing for my sons to be polite to me. There's a longing. And more often than not, life, oh, life is brutal. Life will kick us. And after a long period of time where we are constantly disappointed, a lot of us, we've given up on our hopes. We've given up up on our dreams. We've given up on our longings. We've given up on our desire and our hunger for a lot of things in life. And sometimes we're just sailing through life. And whether we like it or not, the world, which is all of us, we have this longing. We have an expectation. We want something. We're hungry for something, but we do not know what it is. We know that the world is broken. We know that there is something wrong, but we do not know what it is. And in this Christmas season, In Luke chapter 2, it beautifully says, and unto us a child is born. A son is given. He's not just any child. It is the Son of the Most High, the Son of our, our Heavenly Father. He's birthed into this world to give us hope. A hope that sometimes we have forgotten that we need a longing that we've forgotten, that we're hungry for. But you see, when Jesus was born all that many hundreds and thousands of years ago, He was born into a climate, into a a climate of this country where there was oppression under a different government, all right, and the government was not so friendly to His kind and His race. And in this time where where rumours were going around that the king of the Jews is born, that the king of the Jews is going to be the king of the land. There was another king that was on the throne at that time, and he was not happy, he was not pleased. So what he did is he, 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 he voiced out an edict where he says, every baby under two years old is to be killed. There was trauma in the land. And if you're a young parent here, you would know how it feels if your two-year-old child was just taken away from you for no good reason at all. There was trauma in the land. And if we think that's all, Jesus was born into a not very well-to-do family. He was so not to do not well-to-do that He didn't even have a hospital to go to to be given birth. He didn't even have a house to go to or a hotel to go to. He had to be born in a manger. And a manger is where, you know, the animals uh, live and the animals eat and the animals would uh, do the number ones and number twos. And the smell and the aroma is nothing like chocolate. It's completely different from Chakrutia. And he had to be born there where he had no family, no riches, no power, no position, nothing in this life, no friends, no one to greet him in this life. And there into this world, the heavenly Father says, a child is born uh, and a son is given unto us. And when he was born, in our time, what will young parents do? The first thing we would do is we would take pictures. All right, so the mother who just gave birth have to dress up a little bit. The father who pretended like he was part of the process also had to dress up a little bit. All right, we will carry the baby and we will take a selfie. And the selfie is to feed our Social media, so that the whole world would know that a child was born into this family. That's how we celebrate the good news. But in Jesus' time, He's got something better than Instagram or Snapchat or Be Real, or whatever we have now these days, He's got angels, and the angels of God would announce His birth to the shepherds and to the world and to the wise men, and He would announce His birth to the people. And the shep- and the angels would tell the people that do not be afraid. I bring you good news that would cause great joy. I bring you good news that would cause great joy. You see, in this world, in this time now, these days, there we we're also going through a lot of things in life. In the global scheme, there's wars, there's rumors of more wars in every… almost every continent of the world. And maybe a more home-in scheme in your life, I don't know, whatever hope that you have given up on, And how do you know you've given up on hope? When the joy of life is taken away from you. And that's why when a baby was born, the angel says, I will come and give you great joy. And not just joy, the angels also said, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to those on whom His favour rests. You see, with the birth of Jesus, there is a joy and a peace that would overwhelm the world, a joy and a peace that the world has never known until that point in time. And I really love this verse because it says, peace unto those to whom His favour rests. You know, sometimes when we're praying, God, we want Your favour. God, we want You to bless me. We want Your favour. Do we know what we're asking for? We can be asking for many things, but I pray out of this service, you would know that the favour of God is the peace of God, where you know that no matter what is happening to you, no matter what pressure, and I'm sure we're going through many pressures in life, no matter how young or how old you are, everybody goes through the stress, everybody goes through the mill, everybody goes through the pressures, every have, everybody will have conflicts in this life, but the favour of God would mean that you've got that peace of God to know that He is still for you. He's not against you. He still sits next to you. He's still pleased with you. He still smiles at you. He still wants to be your heavenly Father and He wants to be your friend and He wants to commune with us. That's the peace of God that the world cannot give. And that's the good news this Christmas season. You know, if you, if you ask most of us Christians, How did you come to know the Lord and what has changed? Most of us, most of us will carry the same template. Once I was, then Jesus came, then now I am something else. That's the story of my life as well. Once I was, but when Jesus came into my life, He changed my life 180 degrees upside down. And I can can safely say, if you know me when I was younger, you would know I am an absolutely different person now than I was back then. I want to show you a video of a girl. She wants to share her story to you this Christmas. I, I, when, I, when I heard the story, it was beautiful. I wish you could hear the longer version of this and everything that she's gone through, but we've got to cut it down for this service. But she wants to share with you what she's gone through and how Jesus has changed her life. Let's watch this video.
1: Growing up in my family, I have two siblings. I'm the eldest. When I was still small, my dad is extremely loving. But because of wrong friends, he starts drinking like daily, and he starts to uh, gamble, he starts to have a lot of uh, debt and all that. So he will be, you know, making fuss in the house, breaking things. At one point, I have to dial 999 from my neighbor's phone. I put my father into a jail because I can't stand seeing my mom was dragged out in the roadside. When my dad is drunk, there's a lot of verbal abuse. When I go work, he says that I'm doing a prostitution job. And he will start questioning me like, where did you go uh, just now? Which client do you meet? Which road did you do your prostitution job? Not only verbally abused, but also physically abused. I see him as a monster. Because every day of my life, I have fear seeing him at home. I grew up. I fear that all men is gonna be that. Why do I need to go through this every day? Is there really no other help that can help me? The neighbors, um, the church members, none of them are able to help me. So I felt um, empty. I questioned why. Why can't I just die? Whenever I feel angry or whenever I feel sad, I express it to my own self uh, by self-harming. If self-harming doesn't help, that's where I tried jump off the building. I overdosed many many times that I was rushed to the hospital. Even doctor mentioned to me that your overdose is actually quite bad but you should be thankful that you're alive. You're able to wake up. But I was angry. Why do you actually want me to wake up? So I tried and tried again to to let go myself to die. And I was diagnosed in 2021 that I have PTSD and a major depression. So I just like usually lock up myself in the room. There were times that I even talked to the world. That's when I was admitted to psychiatric hospital. I do not have any contact with the world outside. I don't even have my cell phone. I don't even have a TV inside there. So there is where I asked my mom, "Can you please bring me my Bible? Um, I have nothing to do, so I want to read." Um, one verse a day i think it started to feel like wanting to cry to him throughout the whole time he's always there for me he never let me go he's the only friend that i can talk to i can cry to he's actually hugging me just say that even though you don't have your your friends around you, even though you don't have your father around you. You have me. So by that, I had a glimpse of hope. By the help of God, He will never forsake me. My friend helped me to find a church. Through her, my journey in church has become remarkable and wonderful as I discovered my cell group. It's unbelievable how my cell group sees me they are very very family towards me even though i feel like oh, okay maybe they wouldn't welcome me because i'm different but um they don't see me as that way i'm very very blessed to have those people around me and i really want to say thank you to my soul group for always taking care of me and loving me as who i am i just want to thank god a lot thank you for never giving up on me. Thank you for always holding me. Even I do not have the love of the worldly father, but I have the love of the eternal father.
0: Amen. This is a story not just for a young adult cell, but I believe every cell in SIBKL, I believe every cell has a story to tell. One day we will tell everybody's story and that's the beauty of self. But I just want to say for this video, we all don't know that we need help. We don't know sometimes who to cry out out to in our moments of despair. Sometimes we we have a hunger within us that we don't know how to fill it. We don't know why we're longing for it. But today, I hope you would realize that there is a longing for you, not just a longing for us to something else that there is a God of hope that would fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace. You see, as I was looking at this word, may the God of hope, I asked myself, actually, what does this, what does this word mean? What does, what does this God of hope mean? And I want to ask you this morning, what, what is hope to you? What do you think hope is? Is hope a feeling? If it is a feeling, then let's manufacture it. If hope is a, it's an emotion, then let's find a formula to get that emotion. We want hope. Let's not lose hope in this world. But you know what I realize That hope is not just an emotion. It is not just a feeling. That hope is a person, and that person has a name, and his name is Jesus. His name is Emmanuel, Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, Almighty God, Everlasting Father. Hallelujah. That's His name. He's the God of hope. Now, how do I know that hope is a person? You would ask me, how do I know hope is a person? How do I know that hope is not just a feeling, not just an emotion? Why is it a person? Because Hebrews chapter 6 says that we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. It is this hope that takes our sins, walks into the inner sanctuary, and intercedes for our behalf. In Hebrews, it says, hope is a person. He's not just a feeling. You know, I just want to recall the story I said uh, earlier about, about me and my desire for tiao. You know, as you come out of fast and pray, and you desire to eat a full like tiao, and it does not happen for you because out of 52 weeks in a year, he decided to take holiday in that one week, you've got to ask yourself, God, what are you saying to me? God, what are you trying to tell me? Because I believe in this life that every, everything is intentional and everything has a reason and has a purpose. We just don't understand it yet. So as I was praying, and then God said to me, son, you're very fixated on that plate of noodles that you want to eat. Now lift up your eyes and look at the person cooking the noodles. That's when I realised that my desire... Our true desire in this world, if it is fixated on a plate, if it's fixated on material things, if it's fixated on riches, if it's fixated on power and position, is fleeting. It would come one day and it will go one day. It will come as the economy goes and your, your money will go when the economy goes. Your influence and favor would come when men like you and it will go the second they decide they don't like you anymore. And God says, treasure the person behind the gift. Who is that person? And that's when I realized, I actually like this uncle that, 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 that fries me chakwe tiao. And now I realize I only eat when he's frying me chakwe tiao. And then I actually follow him because he doesn't just cook at that store. On a Wednesday, he goes to another place and I would follow him there because it's a person. Hope is a person. And that brings me back one memory that I have when I was a student. You see, when I was a student and I went overseas, I, have, I was blessed and I had the opportunity to go overseas to study. And I remember I went there with so much hope in life. I hope for a new life, hope for a new education, hope for a new friends, new culture, new food, new weather, new, everything is new to me. And there is hope, so much hope for a great bright future. And all that hope came crashing down one day when I realized that I'm wearing the last piece of shirt, and I needed to do laundry. So I took all my laundry like a very good uh, 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 guy. All right? I did all my laundry, took it to the washing machine, and then it hit me. I've got no idea how to use this contraption. This invention and this technology invented by mankind called a laundry. And I was too paisae to ask. I was too egoistical. I was too full of myself, too pais to ask my friends for help. Too, you know, too full of myself to say, actually, how to be use this simple piece of machine that would wash my clothes so that I can live for another week? And I didn't know who to reach out to, but there was only one person that I know I could call and they would help me, my mother. Like every good mother in this house, they, your sons and your daughters will rely on you one day for advice that you, you may think is insignificant. So I know, I remember I called my mother and she gave me step-by-step instructions. Don't mix the colours with the whites, put this much laundry detergent. Do you want fabric softener? Do you not want fabric softener? And I realised, wow, there is a whole world of laundry that I was now introduced to that I had no idea existed until that very moment. You see, All of us here, we can be so focused on our lives and laundry and everything, but we always forget the person that is always behind our lives. The mother, or the father, or or the uncle that fries with your food. We always forget the maid that makes your life easier. Because without the maid, you've got to wash your own dishes. I know. And we always forget that person. But today in this Christmas service, I just want to remind us all, in all the beauties of the world, in all the attractions of the world, in all the wonders of this world, can we not forget the person that gave it all for us? The God of hope that would fill you with all joy and peace. He's a person. And you know why He's a person? Because it says we have this hope as an anchor for our souls. Because the moment we do not have our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, the anchor for our souls, What we realise is that we will be swayed by the winds and the waves of this world. We will be swayed by how the stock market goes one day and it goes the other way. We will be swayed by the attraction of this world because everything else would anchor us and then wants to guide us. But the, the thing about this world is that the world is a poor leader. This world and the things of this world is a poor shepherd. And that's why the God of hope becomes the anchor of our souls. And this God of hope this Christmas season wants to breathe life into you and says, He wants to fill you with all joy and peace. Now, what is joy? Joy is found in 1 Peter 1. It says, and He would fill you with an inexpressible and glorious joy. This is a joy that the world cannot describe to you. This is a kind of joy that the world you, you can't explain it. You see, I really wish, and I'm still praying about it, but the, the, the day at 24 years old, in the middle of the night, when I received Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, and He entered my life, I can tell you, my worries did not go away. My problems have not gone away. My, my friendship problems didn't go away. My whatever problems did not go away. But I was filled with a, I cannot explain kind of joy. I walk this life with a joy that I cannot explain. And sometimes you will see it on our faces and I pray, Christians, let the joy of the Lord be your strength and let it be on your face that we will walk around this earth saying, yes, this world is a mess. But I carry around the joy that is in my heart, the joy of the Lord that I cannot explain to you and God wants to fill you up today. And if you ask me, Pastor, exactly what it is, tell me that emotion. I can't. It is inexpressible but it is a very glorious joy, a joy that is more wondrous than whatever achievements that you have had so far. Then it says He will give you peace. In Philippians 4, it says that the peace of God will fill you that is above all understanding. What is this peace that we cannot understand? But I know one thing about peace. If anything in my whole years that I've learned about peace, peace is this, that you can go through the pressures of life life you can go through the stresses of life. You can go through the heartbreaks of life. You can go through all the conflicts of life. But you will still sleep at night because the peace of God that fills you gives you that assurance that there is a God Almighty right next to you and everything is going to be okay. Everything will be okay one day. Just trust Believe, just walk with Him. And that God of hope, He wants to fill you today. He wants to fill you with that joy. He wants to fill you with that peace today. But He's asking for something from us. You see, there's always a transaction between us and God. God is not a gumball machine where you say, Give me a candy. He gives you a candy and you go along your way. There is always a transaction, a covenant between us and God. And that transaction is beautiful. And the transaction that God wants today is He's asking us all, do you trust me? And He says, as you trust in Him, He will fill you with joy. You see, we can only be filled with joy when we trust that, hey, actually, my God has my back. Hey, actually, my family situation will be okay one day as I continue to trust in Him. Hey, actually, my business and my financial difficulties will go away one day because I trust in the Lord God Almighty that has my back. And it is that trust that anchors ourselves in Him that we would now be filled with the joy and the peace of this world. And as we trust in Him, He says, May you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, I asked the question just now, what is hope? And I'm still asking, what exactly is hope? What is it, God? And I love this translation. It says, the translation for overflow with hope can also be described as and and abounding in confidence in the promises of God. You abound, you overflow, you are confident beyond any shadow of a doubt that the Lord will come through for me. His promises is yes and amen in Jesus Christ. That is the confidence that I have. You know what the confidence of this world is? We're trying to anchor ourselves to something. Right, every country, is, is America going to be the next superpower? Is China going to be the next superpower? Who should be my friend? If you're looking at the stock market, should I invest in this company or that company? Should I start my business this way or that way? There are promises the world can give you, but you've got not much confidence because you know the market can go the other way just as fast as it goes this way. But the Lord my God, the Lord Jesus Christ that I serve, when He says, that He's going to do something, I know it will come to pass. My job is to trust. My job is to wait. My job is to overflow with hope and to abound in the confidence that God will keep His promise. And I will walk this life with the joy of the Lord, with the peace of the Lord. Now, what is the promises of God? You know, just three weeks ago, Three weeks ago, I was on a getaway with some of the church leaders. Uh, Just a short getaway, just a weekend getaway. And in that getaway, I decided that my wife and my two kids would come with me. So I've got two kids, two sons, uh, three years old and five years old. So they are at the prime of life to exude energy beyond all measure of understanding. They cannot eat, but still, their energy abounds. They cannot sleep, but their energy still abounds, all right? It's something I go, son, could you give me some of your energy? Daddy don't mind. So on that, on that getaway, it's, of course, there's a work trip, so of course, there's a worship session, there's you know, Bible study sessions, and whatever, whatever we did, but there is, in the three days, there was one afternoon that we just had time to ourselves. So I told my sons, this afternoon, that is free to be with you. We will do whatever you want to do. Let's have fun. Let's go and do something that you want to do. What do you want to do in this place?" And resoundingly, both of them said, "'We want to swim. We want to swim.' And I looked at my watch. It was 1.30 in the afternoon, and, and I remember telling them, "'Great, let's go swimming.' But right now, it is a little too early to swim because the sun is midday. I don't want you to get a heat stroke. You know, it's really too hot. Let's wait till 4 o'clock. 4 o'clock is where the sun will set a little bit. And then we'll go for a swim. And they said, okay, all right. So daddy will promise at 4 o'clock we go for a swim. But the promise is stipulated on one caveat. From 1.30 to 3.30, both of you will let mommy and daddy sleep. You let mommy and daddy sleep. I promise you at four o'clock we will go swimming. So you be good boys, you read your books, you want to sleep with us, sleep with us, you want to read your books, read your books, you want to whatever you want to do, do. This is just a little small room. So believe it or not, my two sons really let us sleep. Hallelujah. Jesus, thank you, God. It's a Christmas miracle, all right? So they were good boys. They were just in the corner, they were just doing their own things, they were playing, they were talking by themselves, they were reading their books. Kim and I, you know, we're not really sleeping. You know, we one eye open on our kids, right? Making sure that they don't you know, do something crazy, uh, we were just resting. Come 3.30, they would both jump on us and says, Daddy, Daddy, it's time. It's time to get ready swimming. I said, okay, it's time. Great. Thank you so much, son, for letting me rest. Hallelujah. Let's get ready to swim. So like all the little kids, you, you know, you have to wear the swimsuits. They have to get ready and everything. And I says, do you bring your toys? Yes, Daddy, we brought our toys. And then they brought this Noah ark that their aunt gave us. It has little animals on it. And every, every animal come in pairs because the pair of animals who come into the Noah's Ark, right? Yeah, so the Noah's Ark would float, all right? So you would put it on the swimming pool, it would float, and then, you know, they would play the animals, oh, they love it. Oh, great, have fun. So we were all ready. Daddy was ready, mommy was ready, the kids were ready. Noah and his Ark was also ready to go for a swim, all right? So we all, we left the the, the hotel door. We opened the door, we left, we walked out. And just at that moment, it, how did you know? Were you there? How did you know? Of course. It rained. And this is a Malaysian rain. This is a tropical rain. This is a torrential rain. We're in a wet season, right? So it rained. And they were like, wow, it's raining, Daddy. Let's go. And, and I said, no, 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 no. son, we, we, we cannot swim while it's raining. He says, it's okay, Daddy. We're going to get wet in the pool anyways. Wet pool, wet rain. Doesn't matter. Let's go. And they were like, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Slightly dangerous. I don't think they will let us, us swim in the rain. Thunder and everything is slightly dangerous. And, but in that moment, when they were so excited, so full with hope that they want to swim, that they asked me, please, Daddy, can we swim? Please, Daddy, can we swim? I remember in that fleeting moment, I looked at my wife Kim and I says, I think it should be okay that they swim in it, right? I think it's okay we swim. If there's thunder, then we just, we just run out. And I remember she gave me a look. The look was enough. <laughs> Sons, we're going back, we're going back to the room. We're not, we're not going to swim. All right, the look was enough. All right. So, they says, no, let's try, Daddy. So we went downstairs. We went next to the pool. We were there, held their hands, and we all looked out. See, see, sons? It's raining. I don't think we can swim today. I'm so sorry. And I remember his, the eldest son said to me, but daddy, you promised. Daddy, you promised. We were good boys. We promised. Oh, that broke my heart. And if you're a parent, you would know what that feels like. That broke my heart. And I remember in that very moment, it's not, I guarantee you, it's not by my flesh. The Spirit of God told me, pray. And I remember arguing with the Spirit of God. What do you mean pray? Pray for what? What do you want me to pray for? What is this prayer? And I remember the Spirit says, pray that the rain will stop. And I says, whoa, hold up. Oh, and what if it doesn't stop? How am I going to explain this to my son? Hello, all right. Hey, we're in Malaysia. It's different from England. England can rain two minutes and then stop. Yes, that is not a miracle. It's just cold weather in England, okay? Malaysia is very different, right? We all know. But the Spirit of God says, pray. Pray with your sons. Like, a, like an obedient child. I took a hold of my son's hands and says, Sons, let's pray that God will stop the rain. And then we said, yes, daddy, let's pray. Let's pray. God will stop the rain. So we held hands. I held their hands. I remember holding their hands. It was raining outside. I was holding their hands. And they were so earnest in their prayer. And I remember, I, 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 I'm quite sure that they were hoping that the rain will stop. And me, I'm hoping that God will answer our prayers. A different kind of hope. But we prayed. Says, God, God, would you, you know, my sons always repeat after me in the prayers. God, God, uh, we love you, God. You love me, God. You love me, God. We want to swim, God. We want to swim, God. Will you stop the rain, God? Will you stop the rain? And in that moment, I remember distinctly, the Spirit just leapt out of me, and it says, pray that it stops in 10 minutes. And then I said, pray that it stops in 10 minutes. Pray that it stops in 10 minutes, in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. And then we all, four of us, we looked out. The moment we said, amen, me, Kim, the two boys, we looked out the window, you know, at the rain and it was raining. And I, we were there for at least a minute. We were just looking at the rain, we were just praying, we were just looking at the rain. They were praying, they were hoping it would stop. I'm still praying that God, you, you need to answer my prayers. Because you see, I'm training my son that God answers prayers. So if he doesn't answer my prayer now, I don't know how to explain to him in the next 10 years of my life. All right? I, I sent him to youth. Narrow Street would train him for me. Children Ministry would train him for me. All right? So I said, God, you, you gotta come through for me, Jesus. And I remember at that moment when I had that thought, I looked out and the rain was heavier. <laughs> I remember it poured more. It was pouring and pouring. And I remember I turned to Kim and I, was, I whispered to her because I don't want my boys to hear. I whispered to her and I said, babe, do, don't you think the rain is heavier now? Is it just me? Am I crazy? Is the rain heavier now?" She just like, I think the rain is heavier. And then I the elder son looked at me, Daddy, 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 I think the rain is more. I think the rain is more. I said, oh yeah, yeah. So he noticed. Okay, he noticed. We all noticed. So it was really it was pouring more now. And I said, okay, sons, let's, let's go back to the room. Let's go back, all right? So we just go back to the room. And every, as like good three and five-year-old, Daddy, is, is it 10 minutes yet? Is it 10 minutes yet? Is it 10 minutes yet? I said, son, just chill. You're making your daddy more anxious and stressed. Chill, chill, chill. All right. By the 10th minute, I remember, (laughs) I don't know how high my blood pressure was. I was saying, Jesus, you got to come through. But if you don't come through, it's okay. You know, I will spend time with my son. And at the 10th minute, he says, daddy, is it 10 minutes? Yes, son, it's 10 minutes. Let's look out the window. We all looked out the window and the rain stopped. You have no idea how I felt. The relief, the peace, and the joy that overwhelmed me in that very moment, the rain stopped. I truly believe it has to be a Christmas miracle because Malaysian rains that pours don't stop in 10 minutes. It will go on for at least 30 to 40 minutes. We all know it has to be Jesus. It has to be God. Then I remember, yeah, God is good. He's the God that answers prayers. I remember as we were walking to the pool, now this is the part I remember the most vividly. My eldest son would look at me, Daddy, I think my prayers is more powerful than yours. <laughs> and I was like, oh wow, wow, okay. And I'm I saying to him, but son, Daddy is taller than you. Daddy's antenna and frequency to heaven is closer than yours. I think it is my prayer that is more. So you want your prayer to be more powerful than daddy. eat your vegetable and grow as tall as daddy. Thank you very much. Hallelujah. (laughs) One promise fulfilled, two objectives met. Kill two birds with one stone. You know, I could promise the world to my sons. I could promise them the rain would stop. I could promise them to swim. I could promise them that your daddy would leave you riches. I could promise them that your daddy would be with you until you are... 60 years old, I would see your grandsons or granddaughters, and I would play with you and your granddaughters until daddy's old. And I could promise them anything. I could promise, sons, you would study overseas. But we all know that my promise would mean nothing because I've got no power over the weather. I've got no power over the economy. I've got no power over politics. I've got no power over my own riches. I've got no power over my health even. I've got no power over accidents even. I've got no power over everything. And in that moment, I realized that if we strip away our pride and our ego and we strip away all the things that cause us to be blind sometimes, actually, what do we have power over? What what do we have power over? You see, true hope is not in the promises of men, but true hope lies only in the promises of God. God He is the God who owns the weather. He says, snow, it snows, rain, it rains, stop, it stops, go, it goes. He's in control of the waves. He's in control of time. He's in control of countries. He's in control of kings. He's in control of your life. He's in control of my life. And the promises of God is yes and amen. I put my faith not in me. I put my faith in the God who is in control of everything in this world. That is the God of hope. That is the God I love. That is the God we serve. And the promises of God today that He speaks over you you see, in the book of Deuteronomy, one of, one of my few favorite verses, let me just spit it at you a little bit. And God says, I will never leave and I will never forsake you. I tell that myself when sometimes I feel like I'm the loneliest person in the world. God will never leave you will never forsake you. It means that I've got somebody to talk to all the time. You see, in Exodus 14:14, it says that, my son, you only need to be still and see the deliverance of the Lord. You know, I'm a guy, who is proactive. I, I can't just sit still and do nothing. That's just me, all right? If it's just sit still and do nothing, praying is still something I was, I'll pray, all right? I have to do something. If there's a conflict, I must talk to somebody, pray, read my Bible, discuss about it, have a, have a, let's have a meeting about it, all right? Let's have a getaway to discuss this problem. I need to do something. I'm a proactive guy. And this verse, is, this verse means so much to me because the promise of God is that you don't need to work. It is not by your work, not by your efforts, not by your genius, not by your intelligence, not by your power, friends, politics, or position in this life that would win you your battle. Be still and see the deliverance of the Lord because the Lord fights for you and the Lord goes before you. That is the God of hope. You see, in the book of Isaiah, it says, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength They will soar on wings like eagles. They would run and not grow weary. They would walk and not grow faint. In the book of Jeremiah, it says that God has a plan for you, a plan not to harm you, but a plan to prosper you and to give you hope for a future. In the book of Hebrews, it says that Jesus is the hope that anchors your soul. In the book of 1 Peter 1, it says that Jesus is our hope. He's not a dead hope. He's not a thing hope. He's not an object hope. He's a living hope that anchors our life. He lives and because He lives, He is a faithful God. If He says and He speaks the promises over you, it will come to pass. It will come to pass. But sometimes for us in this life, the rain seems heavier after we pray the world would want to discourage you the world would want to disappoint you the world would want the enemy would want to come up against you to kill your hope and to kill your peace and to kill your joy because the rain would be heavier on your life but God says I am the God of the rain and I command it to stop it will stop in Jesus name and all we need to do is to trust is to believe is to invite him into your life and says, come into my life, Jesus, because without you, I am nothing. I invited Jesus into my life when I was 24 years old. There is not a day after that, that I ever regretted it. There is not a day that he has never transformed my life. There is not a day that I ever said, I wish I never did it, not a day. But every day since then, I walk with a renewed hope, a renewed joy, a renewed purpose in my life. That I live not for myself, but I live for Him. And that is the day when I invited Him into my life. And my prayer is that you do too as well. Here in this sanctuary and in the overflows, that you will invite God into your heart, invite God into your life. Because sometimes we don't know that we need it. But we need it. We need it. So can I ask for all heads bowed and all eyes closed in this place? If you're new with us here, we close our eyes and bow our heads as a moment of honor and respect to the Holy Spirit and a moment of honor and respect to those who want to invite Christ into their lives for the very first time. That's why we do it. So this is an invitation. If you're filled and you, you're filled with despair or discouragement, and you want Jesus to come into your life, and you're saying, God, I need something new. I need a refreshing, I need a renewing, I need a new hope, I need a joy, I need peace, I need to sleep at night. You know, it was about 13 months ago that I prayed for a boy. He said, I have not slept in two months. He's suffering with insomnia. He's on drugs, and, and he's suffering from insomnia. I prayed over him at the altar call. He received Jesus, and he texted me that very night. And he told me, Pastor, you won't believe that I slept the most peaceful sleep that night for the last few years of my life. He woke up the next morning a new person. That is the God that wants to change your life.